Welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where we will explore traditional Quaker beliefs and the variety of Quaker beliefs found today. Hello, and welcome back to Quaker Faith and Podcast with Mackenzie and Micah. Uh, this time we are talking about discerning leadings, and uh, <laughs> we're looking at the book Traditional Quaker Christianity. This is section 3G. And here it has, they have, the authors of this book have reprinted four out of the five uh, tests for discerning a true leading from Hugh Barber's tract of that same name. Five tests for etc. Um, seems a little odd that they left out number five. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to number five because it seems it seems odd to leave out the fifth one. But I, you know, maybe maybe they had run out of pages or something. I don't know. <laughs> We're looking at the title. We're like, one, two, three, four. Look at the title. Uh, hang on. <laughs> so because uh, because it is so central to the Quaker the Quaker understanding of Christianity uh, that Jesus is here to teach us Himself and that the Holy Spirit is present to guide us. Um, it it becomes really it, it it becomes really important that everyone since there's no centralized you know priesthood that does all our we don't have a pope and no we, Quaker pope we don't have a pope and so it becomes really important that all of us together learn how to do discernment discernment being figuring out um, what how likely it is that a certain impetus or message or uh, plan of action is coming from God. Or could be coming from another source, whether it's our whether it's ourselves, our egos, or another spirit. So, Hugh Barber puts forward five five tests, and we'll get to the we'll get to the fifth uh, at the end. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, the book just gives us four, um, which I, I'm just going to lay out at the beginning so you know what's coming. Um, Although, can I interrupt a second? Sure. Just um, because Micah said or another spirit, and I'm sure there are some of you who at this point went whoa. I just want to lay out that, like, one of the examples given in the book is the spirit of deceit. So, like, this doesn't have to mean, like, possessed by a demon. Like, we can talk about the spirit of jealousy totally and, mean, and things it like that. It totally means, like, exorcism-level demonic possession. That's what we're talking about. Quit lying, Mackenzie. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is not lying. Like, <laughs> spirit can be... Spirit is often a metaphor for other things. I thought same. we were on the same page here. I thought we were talking about, like, real, like, head, head twister demons. Oh. <laughs> I need an old priest and a young priest. <sighs> okay, so... Without further ado, uh, I'm just going to list out the four we've got. We'll get to the fifth at the end, so you can stay in suspense. But the four tests for a true leading, according to Hugh Barber, uh, are the first one is moral purity. The second is patience. The third is consistency with others. And the fourth is consistency with the Bible. Which, I I have to say, uh, a lot of times, uh, Christians in general, and even Quakers in particular... Uh, tend to leap right to consistency with the Bible and think that's the only test for a leading. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, uh, lots of things are consistent with the Bible that we know are wrong. Uh, if you if you if you if you take the existence of slavery, for yeah. instance, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if, you, if you if you if you take passages out of context in the Bible, it's very easy to justify things simply on consistent supposed consistency with the Bible. Um, Look, so, if King David did it, it's probably a bad idea. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so there, there are these. Uh, so, while consistency of the Bible is important, obviously, um, there are other tests that are also important to be used together with that. On the flip side, I'd say that there are um, a fair number of Quakers who 
would say that that one isn't important um, and say, you know, well, that's that's old and um, we have continuing revelation, we have new revelation, and so that replaces the old thing. Right, which, you know, IDK. <laughs> I don't know quite, quite know how to respond to that. If uh, with just moral purity, patience, and consistency with others, um, well, we should get into the particular points. But if yes. we, but if we just but if we just have the first three points and not the fourth point, it's really easy for us to make up our own moral purity, determine what patience means just for us, and to listen and to limit our consistency with others to people we agree with. Right to to find an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at its best, Scripture helps us to avoid the echo chamber of the Spirit and find a broader perspective from our uh, our spiritual family throughout history. I just imagined, um, like, Odysseus and the ship trying to sail between Scylla and Charybdis. With, like, Scylla and Charybdis each being a, an e- a little echo chamber you could be sucked into. All right. So you want to get started on moral purity? What's that? Um, so... So the introduction to this section tells us that um, the reason it was necessary for friends to develop um, the system for discerning leadings was because at the same time as they were coming into existence, there was also this group that was referred to as the ranters, and um, they had some things that overlapped with friends, and at the same time were just kind of completely out there in terms of morality. Have you ever heard someone referred to as like, say, say, oh, that person, they're a free spirit. Well, free spirit is actually, uh, you know, there's the heresy of the free spirit. The ranters were free spirits. They're real free. Right. Um, The intro here says that according to the ranters, you could only be freed from a sin once you'd actually done it without thinking about it as a sin, which I'd say most people don't think about sins as sins. So that doesn't make sense to me. Um, So anyway, so this moral purity thing, um, one of the, I think several, was it probably a couple of months ago at this point, um, Micah mentioned that um, if something is contrary to what you want to do, it's probably a real leading then. But if it's something you really want to do, yeah, double check that. Um, and that's that comes up in here that um, that that your self will will have a tendency to veer more in the not pure direction and so if you have a leading that isn't what you want to do then that's probably heading more toward the pure direction um it's also just uh you know there's a supreme court ruling i think uh again i might be making this up but i don't think i am i feel like there's a supreme court ruling where one of the justices it was about pornography and one of the justices says you uh, know it when you see it you know it when you see it and i think i think when it comes down to it, moral purity is sort of sort of the pornography test which is you know, you know when someone's being a jerk. You you know, oftentimes, oftentimes, you you know yeah. when someone you know when, uh, I won't even say someone else. You if you really are listening and you really are paying attention, you know when you're being selfish. You mm-hmm. know when you're being greedy. Me- greedy. You know when you're being jealous, me- jealous or mean or any other nasty emotion. Right. You know those things are there. And so if those things are there, not from God. Jealousy, uh, greed, hatred, these things don't come from God. So if that's a part of what you're feeling, at the very least, you need to separate out that part that isn't from God and see what's left. Because that part is definitely isn't from God. So the second test is patience. And I think, honestly, uh, 
patience uh, is a requirement for a true leading. It's also just a requirement for the discernment process because it, 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 it can sometimes um, take a little while, uh, especially uh, for a more risky leading. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can take a little while to figure out whether that leading is actually um, a true one. And so patience, the, the test of patience basically means that um, if, if this is really from God, then, you know, God probably, you know, in many cases, God's probably not going to get too upset if you delay for a week or two on carrying out this leading. And, and, and that leading is still going to be there. That leading doesn't just go, you know, a true leading isn't just here right now and then in a week you no longer feel it. Um, that's obviously not true always. I, I think we can get silly with this and say, well, I need to have a leading to save a drowning child. And I'll wait a week to figure out whether that leading was real. <laughs> right? But, but realistically, for, for many things that we're doing discernment about, um, time is not actually that critical. And so we have the opportunity to wait and see, see whether, whether this is truly something uh, that is coming from uh, a God place or whether it's something that just was something that struck our fancy. Um, and if in a couple weeks we still feel really strongly about it, um, it, it may more likely be from God. An example of this, um, there's, there's a story. With Quakers, there's always a story, and usually it's an amalgamation of several other stories. Um, but there's a story about a minister who, uh, who felt called uh, to go preach uh, woe to the bloody city to some city. Litchfield. But it wasn't Litchfield because that actually happened. Like He actually, oh, okay. he actually did it. Um, but there was another minister who like felt you know felt felt like God was telling him to go and basically like preach hellfire and condemnation to the city, um, and the other elders uh, you know the elders uh, in 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 the local group uh, basically said to him you know brother you might just want to sit with that for a little bit um, we're not so sure are you willing to wait on that and so he said yeah I really do think God's calling me to do this but um, you know you're I, I trust I trust you guys so um, I will I will wait. Uh, on this, and so he waited for he waited for some period of time, and then they got back together and discussed it again. And he's like, you know, um, I think maybe you're right about that. Uh, as I've sat with it more, um, it no longer seems so clear to me. So maybe that wasn't maybe that wasn't a real leading. So if if but on on the on the other hand, if he comes back in a couple of weeks and that leading's still there, um, you might want to proceed to consist to step three. Right. Which, well, and before we we want to step three, sure. let's say. Um, there, there are a couple of phrases that you sometimes run into with Quakers, which are um, outrunning your guide, right? Which would be not having the patience and just going and doing something that you haven't actually been led to do or without having figured out how exactly God wants you to do it or whatever. Um, and then on the flip side, you have lagging behind the guide. And you don't hear that one so much, but... Um, We're better outrunning these days. Hmm? We we are better at outrunning these days than we are at lagging behind. See, I meanwhile I've I've I know some friends who would say the opposite that that um, we're oh well you know we there was there was a blog post by Emily Provence recently on delay is what she called it and she was saying how um, if the discernment to do something in a meeting for instance has to go through a certain committee or a certain couple of committees. And well, but you see the committee only meets every other month on the first Tuesday. And so um, we can't discuss that for the next seven weeks. And then they'll get together and well, we didn't really get to the end of the agenda. So give it another two months before it comes up, before it actually does come up. And then that's gonna be referred to this other committee and they don't meet for, and they just had their meeting yesterday. So it'll be a month before their next meeting. And, and so by the fact of our 
by being too rigid about the timing of our of our committee meetings, not not just having, hey, you know, we've got something to discuss, let's get together. We can thereby end up lagging way behind. Mm -hmm. So, just want to throw that out there. I think that's that's a problem that we certainly run into in meetings. So yeah, if 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 we're if if we're able to neither uh, outrun our guide nor lag behind the guide, uh, then the next step after patience uh, would be to see whether the leading has consistency with others. Um, we have a lot of examples at this point. We've got you know. Even if you just look at Christian history, we've got 2,000 years of examples. Um, and you look at, you know, our broader tradition, uh, we've, got, we've got many thousands of years of examples. We've got a long track record. And we can look back and say, um, okay, well, I've got this leading to do, you know, to do X, Y, Z. Where are some other times that, that, that you know, people that we know were holy, holy men and women did X, Y, Z? And how did that turn out? Um, and so... Uh, so I, you know, Quakers, Quakers, and just Christians in general, Christians who are attempting to really follow Jesus, do have done this a lot uh, in looking back. This is this is one of the reasons we look back at the New Testament in particular and say, well, how did the early church handle this? Right, and and you have the Acts, the Book of Acts, and then you have piles and piles of epistles, mm -hmm. and you know, as we said way back when we were talking about the Bible, you don't necessarily know what question they're answering in those epistles, but. No, the the truth is though <clears throat> we're already sort of getting into the to the fourth test, which is consistency oh, right. in scripture. Well, hang on. So before we get to the scripture part, then then what about friends' journals? Like you have you have the journal of George Fox, the journal of John Woolman, um, Thomas Kelly's Testament of Devotion, all of those. But I think even getting outside of writing, I mean, just think about um, you know I've, you you've always got what would Jesus do? It's like what would my good, gentle, loving Uncle Bob do? Right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, you know think think about the people who are moral examples in your life. And either speak to them about it, ask them, well, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, if they're alive. <laughs> uh-huh. Or if they're not alive or for some reason it's not appropriate to speak to them about it, just think about, well, can I really can I really imagine, you know, lovely Aunt Sue uh, going and preaching bloody murder to that city? No, I really can't imagine her doing that. Well, why can't I imagine her doing that? Because, mm -hmm. um, of course, like, not everyone is, exact, is exactly like you and has your same ministry. So just because one person wouldn't do it doesn't mean you shouldn't. Gotcha. Um, but uh, if if the example of other people who we know are good and righteous people in our lives um, contradicts the leading we're getting, it's probably a warning sign. Um, doesn't necessarily mean because because again we have different callings and different leadings. Um, but so it's not necess necessarily the, that that is not from God. But it should it should put up a big yellow light. And, and say, well, maybe we just need to yield here for a second and, and make sure make sure we're getting it right. Because if these good and upright and holy people that I know and that I've seen, you know, in our history wouldn't do this or condone this, then maybe God wouldn't either. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we can move on to consistency with the Bible. Right. Um, which, this can be an interesting one because there are... If you've been listening to the podcast this long, you know there are a lot of things in the Bible that Quakers interpret one way and almost everybody else interprets another way. For instance, the last two things we talked about were, the, were baptism and communion. And uh, clearly we are out of step with most of Christianity on how we interpret those, those things being described in the Bible. Like a billion people, you know, we're out, we're out of step with like, you know, well over a billion people. So. Something like ninety nine point five percent of Christians, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think a billion is just the Catholics, <laughs> but um, 
So consistency with the Bible does not necessarily mean consistency with the traditional interpretation of the Bible. Good distinction. Um, but so how, how, I think this is actually the trickiest test, honestly. Um, I think it's very necessary because of the reasons I described earlier that the other tests, um, the other tests, it, it's very, it's very easy to just turn it into um, an unaccountable thing. Where like the nice thing about the scriptures is anyone can pick up a copy of the Bible and and look at it and say, well, but it says here that, right? And so like it's sort of democratic in that way. Where um, even if you're in your echo chamber, at any point someone can open up the Bible and be like, well, you know, I've been thinking, but it says here that. Mm-hmm. So it just sort of it, it breaks us out of our echo chamber. Um, but, but then on the other hand, you have the whole context, exegesis, etc. Yes. thing where yes. a a naive reading of the Bible, and especially if you're looking at something like the King James, where it's, what, 400 years old, and some of these words don't mean the things they meant 400 years ago, right. and all of that stuff, then, you know, then it can get hairy again. Yeah, but I, I think I think con- consistency of the Bible is extremely tricky. The truth is, the truth is, like... Um, all these tests are tricky, and discernment is tricky, and there is no there is no uh, silver bullet to know mm-hmm. whether God's leading you to something genuinely. Um, at a certain point, you just have to take a risk. Um, but I do think I do think consistency with Scripture can be really tricky um, because uh, it's it's really it's really easy it's really easy on the one hand to use Scripture to just justify yourself, um, and most Christians do. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other hand, it's easy to it's easy to always find a contradictory opinion in scripture. Like I mean, you know, for for Quakers and I don't think have we talked about peace and nonviolence yet? No, that's that's like another I don't know, um, forty pages in the book. All right, we'll get to that eventually. But uh, suffice it to say, Quakers Quakers are traditionally uh, committed to not participating in war making, and there are lots there's lots of war in the Bible, including war that God supposedly sanctions and calls right. for, uh, including genocide. And so... At which point your question is, now did God actually tell you sure. to do that? But or the, is that your excuse? But the, but there's but there's no denying that the Bible has that stuff in there. Right. And so so consistency of the Bible is, is the friend's, is, is the friend's uh, commitment to not committing genocide consistent with the Bible? Well, you could argue it's not. So it's really tricky. <laughs> it's really tricky. Um, you know the, the the number of things that are in the Bible. So a couple of years ago, um, I forget what TV channel decided to do uh, Kings and Prophets as a TV series that's based on the Old Testament, right? And apparently, you ended up with all these very concerned Christian mothers because do you know they put sex and violence into that TV show? You just can't have sex and violence in the Bible. You like haven't you- read it, have you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty intense. There's some pretty intense pornographic stuff, not to mention the violence in the Bible. Like, yeah, I, I there's some passages in terms of the violence where I just sort of, if it were a movie, it wouldn't be allowed. And yes, that's my mocking church lady voice. Yeah, it sounds sort of like a like a weird chipmunk Sarah Palin voice. <laughs> um, so I know we promised uh, we're, we're we're coming we're coming up on the end of this podcast, but I know we promised we were going to share the last the the the, the fifth and hidden. Uh, test, you know, it's, it's the one for only. It's the advanced test that they don't include in the manual. Um, so, right. Um, but if you go to the Tract Association of Friends, and we'll put a link in the show notes, you can get a copy of the entire five tests tract from Hugh Barber. In which case, it'll be in there. So, what's the fifth one? Uh, inward unity. So, what does that mean? Um, 
Okay, Mackenzie's looking it up on her smartphone now. What does inward unity mean? I, I closed out of that page because we were So I think, I think I know what it means while she's looking it up. Um, <laughs> what I think Hugh Barber's referring to with inward unity is the fact that um, when we're doing discernment together as a community, uh, a really good sign that a leading is, is really from God is that the process of discernment brings us as a community into a profound sense of peace and unity with one another. And so uh, I know that I've experienced uh, on many occasions in, in Quaker community, um, and at other times too with, with non-Quakers, um, a sense that at the end of the discussion and the discernment process, uh, the decision we came to was not something that any of us uh, that any of us would have come to before, but that we were led to. We felt led to it together, and felt like we came to a decision that was bigger than us. And so that sense, that's an, and that we were unified in it. We we felt like more of a community and more of a people after the decision had been made than before. That's a good sign that it's from God, because God, you know, God, the 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 God and Father of Jesus Christ is a God of order and not of disorder. And so when 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 this leading orders us into unity, it's a good sign that's from Him. And yeah, that's pretty much what he says in there um he talks about how um the, the power of the spirit to bring people into unity was one of the happy discoveries of early friends and talks about um testing our leadings in community that that you don't just try to do discernment off on your own um that you do it with a group of people you can but it's easy to get some wacky results when you're off on your own talk about an echo chamber of one yeah um i'm trying to discern between cocoa puffs and fruit loops for breakfast uh <laughs> I mean, obviously Cocoa Puffs. Because then you can drink them chocolate milk afterwards. Ooh, good point. <laughs> well, at least we solved that one. <laughs> in, our, in, our, in our clearance committee of two. <laughs> there you go. Hey, everybody. Just a little update on the Patreon. Um, currently, we have pledged... There's $9 per episode pledged to us right now. And the way it works is we have it marked that um, $30 per episode means... That each episode gets transcribed going forward. Um, we've also got a back catalog that you know also should be caught up on so that deaf and hard of hearing folks can know what's going on. We decided to have the nine dollars that have been pledged be charged on the last couple episodes and this one which taken together means great we can get one of the back episodes transcribed. Awesome. However, if it takes three episodes of income to get one episode transcribed, we are never going to end up with having all of them transcribed. Ah! So, if you would like to support deaf and hard of hearing people being able to know what is going on with this podcast, it would be fabulous if you could go to patreon.com slash Quaker podcast and pledge just a dollar or two per episode. You know, we have two episodes a month. I guess we might have three episodes, like, twice in a year. Um, so this is only a few dollars a month from you, and it would be really great. Thanks! You can find us on the web at quakerpodcast.org, as Quaker Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Patreon, and on iTunes.